I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Let's go up to Ames, Iowa. Welcome on Levi Stevenson, managing editor of Wide Right Natty Light. Does a great job covering the Iowa State Cyclones. And guys, if you could take a second out to leave us a rating, review, subscribe to the podcast. It helps us out tremendously. And in return, I will uh, send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. I will put it in the mail for you personally. And you will get that free koozie to keep your beer cold this summer. Send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And I will get that koozie in the mail for you guys. I appreciate that. Levi, before we get to it, how are you guys holding up? How are things going up that way? Oh, um, I'm holding up all right. I think, generally speaking, we're doing fairly well. Um, things are going going all right, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm over in eastern Iowa, so things are actually doing okay. Um, there's a I, Iowa's workforce is actually a really high percentage of, of essential employees. Um, so we haven't – so – Overall, daily life hasn't necessarily changed as much, especially in the rural parts of the state, mm-hmm. as it has um, as it has in a lot of other places. But um, you can still definitely tell uh, something's not not quite normal. Yeah, uh, it certainly doesn't feel normal, and I know that's the case in Ames, where a few weeks back it was reported that uh, the coaching staff, football coaching staff, uh, took voluntary pay cuts. Uh, try to help with the budgetary issues that all colleges and universities and athletic departments are facing right now. How has that resonated across Ames and, and the Iowa State Athletic Program in particular? Well, worth noting is it actually wasn't just football. Everybody, every coach down to women's soccer and track and field, they all they all took pay cuts mm-hmm. uh, to help deal with to help deal with any budget shortfalls that are upcoming due to due to the due to this. Uh, situation um and it's resonated well not just i mean not just within the aim community because virtually everything jamie pollard does has been an unmitigated success for iowa state so we all we all love jamie and you know we're supporting if he's doing something it's because he's it's a well thought out plan um and it's the best situation for the university um and it was and that move was really well received nationally too i know there was a lot of uh, national uh, sites that picked up the story and you know cited that as you know a as a community coming together to to help each other and and to kind of work through a tough time and it was a model that a lot of other schools have used and you know Iowa State was the first one to do it mm-hmm. and you know, I think that I think Jamie Pollard deserves a ton and ton of credit for it. Levi Stevenson, managing editor, wide right, Natty Light uh, does a great job covering Iowa State. He's joining us here on the show. Levi, last season defined by close losses. Think of the Iowa game. I mean, I don't have to run them down for you, but the Baylor game, uh, the OU game, the Oklahoma State game. Looking back, now that kind of the dust has settled on the football season, why did this team, why was it unable to get over the hump in the close games? Uh, Well, I'll give you the same answer that Matt Campbell probably went to, and it's it's attention to detail. Um, there was they, there's a lot of things that for three quarters of the game or, or half a game, whatever, they were a magnificent football team. Uh, if you look at uh, if you look at Iowa State and Baylor side by side, they're almost identical football teams from a statistical standpoint. But Baylor was very very lucky on a lot of their bounce. They got a lot of bounces to go their way, um, and Iowa State got basically none. And it ends up where it goes. And, and part of those is you can you can make the ball bounce your direction too. Um, they you know at the end of the Iowa game that horrible, horrible turnover on the punt return 
um, that essentially lost that game. Or, you know, against Baylor, you know, basically not showing up for the first three quarters, you know, and still almost coming back and winning. Um, in Oklahoma, there's, you know, a couple spots where they could have done more. Um, you know, tough play at the end that, that didn't go Iowa State's way for the two-point conversion, but that's, you know, that's part of it. Um, so, you know, when it comes to finishing those games, it's, it's you know, following through and not committing silly penalties and silly turnovers and making um, making those little, little plays that separate seven and five, eight and four teams from the 10 and twos and the 11 and ones. Mm-hmm. Because it's, you know, getting getting to seven wins is, is a lot easier. You know, going from three to seven wins is a lot easier than going from seven to 10. Uh, yeah. Like a, a significant either because because the, the the margin for error when you get up to that type of number is so so small, and Iowa State is really close to being there. They've just got to close that gap. Um, and you know, I, I have no reason to believe that they won't continue to work uh, work in that direction. Um, part of what you know, part of that gap can be closed. Um, I think by one of the big, in my opinion, one of the, we're going to look back in three years, three to five years, and look back as, as probably the biggest change of this particular offseason is hiring uh, the new strength and conditioning coach. Uh, he came from Pitt. I, I apologize. His, his name is escaping me. I'll stop my head right now. Uh, Dave Andrews is his name. Um, but he's, uh, one of the, he's one of the most respected uh, strength and conditioning coaches in the country. And your, what you're going to see is, is an Iowa State, especially in the trenches on an offensive and defensive lines, you're going to be able to see um, a much more physically capable line that's not just a bunch of big dudes in the way. It's a bunch of big dudes that, that create lanes and uh, can really be a dominant force in the game. Whereas Iowa State, especially for the last few years, has, had, has been uh, very talented, especially at the skill positions and, and now at the quarterback position too but the offensive line is lagged behind. And some of that stuff is where you can really close that, that small gap between being a seven or an eight win team and a nine, 10 or 11 win team. Um, we saw it against Notre Dame that they were, they were physically overpowered by a team that just, they were more talented and they were, they were better physically than us. Um, and I think it, well, that was basically, they got off the plane from the camping world bowl and uh, Matt Kale made the decision to, to move on from Rudy Wade and, and find a new strength and conditioning coach because um, they saw that the gap between us and Notre Dame was so large in the trenches that something needed to be done. And I think uh, Dave Andrews will be the guy that can help that can help close that gap um, and push Iowa State forward. So how much pressure then, Levi, is there? And I mean, listen, there's no pressure on Matt Campbell. What he has done has been incredible. But is there pressure with Brock Purdy? I mean, I've seen mock drafts for 2021, which I know it's a, it's a ways away. But, I mean, some people have sure. Brock Purdy as a top half of the first round kind of guy next year. So how much pressure is there on this team where if it's going to get over that hump, it, it's got to be this fall? Um, I think – it's there, there. I think there is pressure, but it's a different kind of pressure than maybe a lot of people think of. When people think of pressure, a lot of times they think of pressure to perform, like for do this or else type yeah. of pressure. Um, I don't think that that's not this type of pressure. If they go eight and four again next year, we'll we'll look back and and you know, it depends on how they go eight and four, obviously. But if they go eight and four or something like that again next year, we'll be like, oh, you know, it was a good season or whatever. But you know, we think they may be able to accomplish more. Um, but nobody's going to be upset about it. Like nobody's going to be getting impatient because all of a sudden, you know, I would say it has three, eight and four seasons in four years. <laughs> um, no, nobody's going to be, nobody's going to be upset about that. Um, you know, so, but the, I think the pressure comes from, can Iowa state 
take that next step. It's the pressure to be greater than they have been. Mm-hmm. Um, the, pre- it, the pressure is, is really on themselves to perform above expectations. Last year, I think they performed, you know, just a, a little bit below expectations, not terribly far below, but below expectations, especially within their own expectations within the program. But, you know, general fan and national expectations, they probably underperformed a little bit. I think the pressure is on them to get back to um, over to, to outperforming their expectations, which is kind of something that Iowa State, the, the best remembered seasons for Iowa State are ones in which they outperformed expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they want to get back to that where, where people are not, are no longer looking at it as, oh man, we should have done this, could have done this, could have done this. And instead of saying, you know, looking at a bunch of should haves and could haves, and being able to go back and say, this is what we did do. And we, we didn't just beat who we're supposed to be. We went down to Texas and we beat Texas and they, you know, we picked off Oklahoma at home or whatever, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, I think they want to get back to that where the, and then really push for that big 12 title. Levi Stevenson's joining us. Uh, Levi, I, I know you and I have talked about this privately, but I, I want to get your thoughts on because, you know, everybody outside of Ames is always questioning, all right, uh, is this the year that Matt Campbell's like, I'm going to go somewhere else? Where am I going to go? What's next on my radar? Um, where are you on that? I, I know you have a strong opinion on it. So where are you on this notion that Matt Campbell's just kind of, he's just kind of there in Ames enjoying himself until something better up his alley comes his way. Um, I think he's fairly well proven at this point that he's not just here to use Iowa State as a stepping stone. Um, I've never heard of a stepping stone taking a voluntary pay cut to save an Olympic sport, a program that at school they don't care about. Yeah. Um, ne- never heard of that before. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, um, maybe that's a new trend. I don't know. But um, I-, I think Matt Campbell's proven beyond a shadow of a doubt at this point that he's not staying, he's not at Iowa State to be as a stepping stepping stone to a larger job. I mean, I, certainly I'm never going to, I'm not going to say that he's never going to leave or anything like that. That'd be silly. Cause especially just the way the college football coaching carousel works. And there's, it's virtually impossible. I mean, there's precious few coaches in the, in college football that you could say they're never going to leave unless they, unless something goes horribly wrong. Like Gary Patterson at TCU, Ryan Day at Ohio State, Nick Saban, Dabo Swinney. Like, Beyond those four, I'm not can't think of a lot of coaches that you can say they're going to be there forever unless something goes terribly wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and but Matt Campbell is he's not to that level yet, obviously, but he, he's to the point where he's created such a foundation here that I think he he would feel as though I think he probably he would definitely feel as though he left um, a lot of business unfinished if he were to leave after next season because of all the talent that he's brought in through, through recruiting, the way that the offensive line is really looking like it's like could take a significant uh, step forward next season. And especially going forward beyond that, because you know, after next season, you're, you probably will be returning all five starters in the offensive line. Um, and not just out of default because they're actually good. <laughs> um, you know, they, especially with, you know, he's, he's been talking about, improving the offense and defensive line um, since he got here or whatever, you know, skill positions can, can be resurrected much quicker because um, guys can play as freshmen and sophomore and still have a lot of success. And to a certain extent, obviously, as we saw with Brock Purdy, freshman, you know, freshman quarterbacks can have success too. Um, but offensive and defensive line just take a long, they, they lag behind because they just take so much longer to develop. 
Um, and now that we're finally getting to the point where that development and that recruiting on the offensive line is going to start paying off, I think he wants to stick around to see what, what this looks like as it goes forward. Um, that's not to say that if, like I said, if something went terribly wrong at Ohio State and Ryan Day got fired and they were looking for a new coach, that I wouldn't be sort of sitting on the edge of my seat waiting to find out if Matt Campbell yeah. took it or not. But, you know, I, if, you know, something below that, some some program at a tier below that came open, um, I'm not particularly worried about it because I think he's he's invested himself so much in the school and the fan base and the program. He's hiring new coaches, and you know, he's he's building he's built himself a staff. We're already starting to see the very the very first uh, very first signs of the Matt Campbell coaching of Matt Campbell coaching tree now with Alex Golish, uh, former tight ends coach and recruiting coordinator, now going off to be the offensive coordinator at Central Florida. Um, so we're so we're starting to see that um, happen, and that, well, and, and uh, Joe Houston going to Alabama as a special teams coach. Um, Nate Shieldhaas is a rising, rising star in the coaching ranks too. But I think he's he's building something here that he wants to see through. Mm-hmm. Um, I got. I don't think he's gonna. Be, I don't think he's gonna try to be a come here, get something pointed in the right direction, and then head out. Gotcha, gotcha, Levi. Let me ask you before we uh, wrap it up here about the basketball side of things, just for a second. I mean, you know, it ends abruptly, obviously, uh, with the Big Twelve tournament being canceled up here in Kansas City. But Steve Prohm, I mean, you never want to be the guy to follow the guy. He kind of was that guy. He's now going to be going on four years without a conference record better than 500. I know 2019, they win the Big 12 tournament, so that makes up for, uh, you know, a relatively mediocre season. But what kind of heat, if any, is there on the seat for Steve Prohm? Uh, There's a significant amount of heat. I think, in my opinion, we need to see a direction and we need to see improvement this season if – Steve Prom is going to stick around. Um, I think I think you you want to give coaches time because especially in basketball things can um, things can be tricky, especially with the recruiting and how that works. But I, I think at this point, where you know we're coming up on year five or year six or whatever it is with Steve Prom, um, he's had he's had time. Um, he needs the, the the team and the program need a direction. Um, they've got a good recruiting class coming in, so you know if those guys can get it together, they can have a, a promising season. I don't know if they're an NCAA tournament team. I would say right now, probably not, just because of how young they are. Um, but you know, if, if the team at least shows hope going forward, I think you can you can justify keeping them around. But if it's another if it's another lame duck season where you're just trying to, I don't see any scenario in which you make it next season. Very interesting. Levi Stevenson, wide right, natty light. Those guys do awesome work covering Iowa State. Levi, great to have you on the show. Really appreciate the time, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Good stuff there with Levi Stevenson. I appreciate his time, and thanks for all those guys do. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports is the show. And by the way, if you could take a second out, leave us that rating, review, subscribe to the podcast. I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in return. If you leave us a rating and review, and send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. That's uh, that's what we're doing in return because we really want that rating and review. It helps us tremendously, and we'll get you the koozie to keep that beer cold all summer long. I'm Pete Mundo. You guys are the best. We'll talk to you soon.